Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Gear 30, part of the Blister Podcast Network, which is headquartered in Elevation Hotel in Mount Crested Butte, Colorado. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you, of course, can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, I am talking with Luke Coppa and Kara Williard about ski boots and frontside skis and mountain biking in Nepal and engagement taco parties and some new apparel that we're quite high on, and we're going to tell you why. And folks, man, we are getting closer and closer to it, our Blister Summit in Mount Crested Butte, where we're also going to be launching our first annual Blister Awards, where we will be recognizing some of the best ski and snowboard films of the year and the athletes and creators who made them. The Blister Summit is going to be taking place February 4th through the 8th, 2024. And of course, As part of the Blister Summit, we are going to once again offer our Blister Summit Backcountry Program, which is free to all Blister Summit attendees thanks to the generous support of Bagbalm. Bagbalm is allowing us to offer for free ski tours of the Crested Butte Backcountry that are led by professional guides, and these tours will be available for everyone whether you have very little backcountry experience or whether you are an expert backcountry skier. To participate, you just have to sign up by January 15th, and we will include a link in the show notes of this episode where you can then register for the summit and get all of the info you need. This is going to be a good one, folks. So come join us in Mount Crested Butte February 4th through the 8th for what is our favorite week of the winter. And now, let's talk about all that stuff I just told you we were going to talk about with Luke Coppa and Kara Williard. Here we go. Well, I am very happy to be talking with Luke Coppa and Kara Williard. I'm especially happy to be talking with Kara because, and we're going to hear about this at the end of this conversation, Kara was in Nepal. And I've heard bits and pieces about her time. I've kind of been saving it because I knew she would have some good stories. But I was just told by Kara, it's basically a miracle that I'm alive. So folks, stay tuned for our upcoming Crashes and Close Calls segment, where we'll basically hear about, I guess, Kara almost dying a bunch in Nepal. So there's that. Otherwise, our work here is to, one, celebrate the fact that we are officially skiing again, and um, that means we are back testing gear, ski equipment, and that's what we're going to be talking with you about today. So, I don't know, what do you think? General thoughts about being back on snow, testing gear? Luke, how does it feel? Uh, It feels good. I had multiple people ask me, like, after the first few days of the season, like, so, so you guys reviewing stuff i was like yeah i I have been since the very first lap i took of this season and the very last lap of last season like it's not a part-time thing for us it's it's pretty constant um i was wearing mismatched boots uh i think on day three and have yeah we've been trying a lot of different stuff it is very nice especially because it gives us something physical to do before it gets dark at 4 45 here and that has been kind of driving me crazy lately. So being able to do something has been awesome. And yeah, we're, we, I feel like we just got right back into it. By the way, I want to say this because this is a bit of a new development. I used to just think people who celebrated solstice stuff is just like, oh my God, some more hippie stuff. I have decided just within the last month that it is absolutely my favorite day to celebrate. It is my favorite holiday because like you, Luke, I am tired of it being dark early. And the minute I know our days start getting longer, that is going to be the thing that makes the most sense for me to be celebrating, seriously celebrating. So we're just, we're almost there. We, you know, what, three, just under four weeks, about four weeks. So hang in there, Luke. Mm-hmm. 
the one the one upside is it's golden hour at 3 p.m so taking photos is more fun and that's about it that's true and we live in the gunnison valley where we get a ton of sun oh my god i I completely agree with that yeah Mm -hmm. and also sorry sorry east coasters but like east coasters have it even worse in terms of just like darkness and yeah i i don't know i'm i I don't know if this is about just getting soft or just recognizing we like sunlight. Yeah. So anyway, solstice, my new favorite holiday. Um, Kara, thoughts on being back on snow and not being in Nepal, almost dying on a bicycle. <laughs> yeah, it's been great to be back. Um, I think it's been a pretty rapid change of environment, like from spending day in, day out on bikes and then came back, got super sick, was laid up for like eight days, like, didn't do anything. Uh, as far as physical activity and then finally felt recovered enough to hop on skis and went out and it was Saturday and I was like cool this will be great can just take some mellow groomer laps and then it had snowed and some new terrain had opened so it ended up being my first lap was like skiing some uh, pow on no base and like hitting rocks instantly so I was like cool we're back in it and uh, that happened pretty quickly since then I've taken a lot of groomer laps and have kind of warmed up to it but i felt like i kind of jumped right back in um a little quicker than expected gotcha i guess my my big thing is i i fractured my arm mountain biking a couple weeks ago at hartman's not not bad in the scheme of things so not in a splint not in a cast but um the doctor was like don't definitely don't go ski for at least three weeks and i gave her two weeks it wasn't really a negotiation. She ultimately was like, I mean, you're an idiot. Go do whatever you want to do. But uh, so, yep, have skied twice now. And definitely like it's a little weird when you're like, OK, I'm going to carve hard now because the groomers have been great. But it's like, just don't let an edge like slip out and then mess up an arm more. So I've I've kind of been in that funny space of sort of trying to remember how to ski and then also like trying to ski hard but then be like if you if you make this worse on day one or two you're gonna really not be happy about that and so uh so far so good this sunday would represent the three week mark so i feel like i just need to knock on wood be cool through this sunday and then i can just be stupid i guess i'm i don't know i don't quite know how this medicine stuff works the skiing has been fine, totally pain-free. Absolutely the most painful thing in this entire process is getting a ski boot on. My arm does not like that very much. Um, and it kind of was a reminder of like how much force it takes to get into a sort of snug and what I would call, I don't know, proper shelf fit. But um, yeah, I, this would be sick if I had a pair of like rear entry boots, you know? Well, I was, was going to say, maybe we should do, what is it? The 90 flex challenge. Yeah. We should be doing that right now because we could grab some atomic civors or some, some of the Nordica rear yeah. entry boots. We, they are by the way, very easy to get into. We were just asked if we would review those and I'm, I'm super down to review them. And, uh, but I think we'd have to call some things in on that front. Yeah. But so anyway, two days down haven't messed up the arm more it's been amazing i've been so happy to be back on snow and like we have had that incredible light that luke was talking about and it's like the best part of the day until like 30 minutes later when it's pitch black (laughs) as soon as you take your ski boots off it's just yeah complete darkness well i think we get into it um Let's talk a bit about some of the initial impressions of some of the stuff we've been spending time on and in. Yeah, I think I'm going to jump into boots here just because boots are the foundation and it's what I've been dedicating the most thought and energy towards. Um, And sort of to preface this, I'm just going to say that this season I'm determined to actually go through like some stance alignment in a a pair of boots because that's something I used to do with every pair of boots I skied and I haven't done it mostly for the purpose of reviewing and just being able to switch boots easily. But I also have realized like where it's kind of limiting me and how I want to be skiing. And so right now I'm like, all right, what's the boot that I'm going to go through? Like I'm already doing cuff alignment, but when it actually comes to like usually the degree and a half I need of canting to be flat on my skis, what's going to be the boot that makes the most sense to do that? And I have some good 
contenders right now. Um, pretty much since the beginning of the season, I've been spending a bunch of time in the Ling Shadow 115 LB, and that's the women-specific model. And um, yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. I think I've had quite a few fit issues that I'm trying to resolve right now. Um, and I, you know, felt much better once I actually went forth and did the cuff alignment. Um, that actually did make quite a bit of difference for me. You know, I will say, as we've kind of spoken to in the past, this doesn't feel like a true low volume boot. And so I'm remedying that with using my ZipFit Gara liners right now because there is quite a bit of volume in the heel and ankle pocket as well as over my instep. But I think once I kind of get there with the liner, I, I do think this boot could work for me, despite it feeling a little roomier than maybe I'm used to. Performance wise, it's been really interesting. I was actually telling Luke how my first few turns in that boot, I almost instantly was catching an edge because of just the power transfer and like how uh, sort of quick it comes to like energy transfer from boot to ski. Um, so that was kind of like off putting at first. I was like, wow, like this boot has uh the potential to like rocket me if i'm not like really on it um but af after kind of getting used to that i would say it feels awesome um this has been mostly true of just like lapping groomers and skiing like really mellow like not very steep off piste uh you know like really mellow sort of bumps uh we don't have a ton of terrain right now but you know for warming up on groomers early in the season i've been really impressed with like how that actually translates yeah i mean i have some other boots to kind of compare with um, the Technica Mach 1 115 LV I have ready to go, which I know is going to be a lot more of a low volume fit. Um, so we'll just kind of work through that. But um, yeah, I know Luke's been kind of spending a ton of time in the shadow as well as spending a ton of time with two different boots on his feet. I'll let him go into where he's at with ski boots right now. Kara, you've kind of been a lang head, haven't you? Like, again, my, my take on this is I think ski boot manufacturers need to make boots that people will like actual that will sell that many people will buy and be comfortable in and feel like they're performing well that's like my number one thing if somebody wants is mad that you know there aren't a zillion offerings in the super super low volume 150 flex range it's like well if that's not what the market needs these are businesses. We need to make products that people will actually buy that will work well for many people, yada, yada. All that said, what do you personally think about the fact that it seems like Lang, some Lang low volume boots are in fact be, like cheating up? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you're totally right in saying that I have been uh, a Lang head in years past, like prior to reviewing a bunch of boots, I had skied the Lang XT 110 LV and then the Lang XT 130 LV. Um, I've skied the RX 110 LV a bunch. And um, when it comes to, you know, fitting my foot and also getting like a great stance in a Lang boot, it's worked really well for me with the caveat being that I always used a zip fit liner. And also knowing that my foot, as far as low volume feet goes, isn't among the lowest volume foot. And within the spectrum of low volume boots, just kind of situating laying on not the lowest volume end of that spectrum. And when it came to a boot fitting perspective, um, especially like with Lang's dual core several years ago, I found that Lang boots were fitting a lot more feet than they were in years prior and that they actually were working with people for people who had slightly higher insteps and things like that. So, um, you know, if you have an exceptionally low volume foot, Maybe a laying LV boot isn't for you, but when it comes to being a boot that will fit a wider range of feet and maybe, you know, you have a slightly higher instep or you want to fill some of that volume with an aftermarket liner, I still think there's a lot, a uh, lot to be said for the fit of a laying and that it's okay that it's not exceptionally low volume. Okay. I just wondered, I didn't know if you were going to be super upset, start crying, start throwing things threatening people okay. no and i will say like i've always <laughs> i've always liked the um the suspension of lang boots like i feel like that's worked well for me and now with this huge switch up to the shadow i was just pretty curious to see what those differences are and uh like i said within a first few turns i was like wow there's something going on here and i'm still figuring that out well, yeah, I think in terms of what we just talked about in terms of fit like i'm someone who has never skied 
a sub 100 millimeter last boot for more than like 10 days comfortably. Uh, I'm a medium volume person typically, and I have been relatively comfortably skiing the Shadow 130 LV uh, throughout the season and, and part of last season. I have only skied it this season with my ZipFit liners, which make a huge difference, especially in terms of taking taking up volume around the instep. I have a fairly low instep, so Langs feel pretty roomy in that regard. But yeah, it's been kind of weird because I I was expecting my midfoot to be screaming because that's usually what happens in lower volume or even some medium volume boots. But that hasn't yet been the case. The fit is far from perfect. Uh, I skied yes the other day. Me and Kara were out, and I was I've been a b testing a lot of boots. I've been doing the Shadow LV one thirty. I've been doing the Fisher RC four Pro LV. And then got back in my one functional Technica Mach 1 MV, which has been my go-to boot for the past few seasons, but I'm on my second pair of shells that I've broken. So I'm trying to find a replacement. Uh, So it's been interesting. The the Shadow LV is, I would say, lower volume overall than the Technica Mach 1 MV, which is what you'd expect. But I think it's, it's, it's a smaller difference than... Um, people who have tried a lot of boots might expect. Uh, but more importantly, rather than just how these things fit my weird feet, like the Shadow is a, it's an impressive boot in terms of power transfer. And it's hard to describe. Like my first flash review of it is kind of rambly. And because I hadn't really felt something like that in a ski boot, it's not night and day. But if you ski a lot, and especially if you try different ski boots, it's more significant than you, than I would ever expect just skiing like a 130 versus a 130 flex boot. I did last season, I did uh, the Mach 1 130 on one foot, the Shadow 130 on the other foot, and it felt like the ski on the foot of the Shadow was sharper, like tuned more aggressively. It was easier to get it to dig in its edges. N- right now... I'd say that's less obvious, but I think it's mostly because we're skiing pretty low angle stuff where it's not as easy for someone like me to put a ton of power, no matter what boot I'm in, into the ski and really get it to rip across the fall line. I suspect I'll be kind of feeling similar sensations very soon when we when we open steeper stuff here. But as of right now, I think that's the boot I'm going to try and make work for this season. Uh-huh. I mostly need to figure out the ankle and the cuff I'm just working with like it's very snug, but weird pressure points kind of everywhere. Not excruciating, but annoying. So we'll see. But basically my yeah, so far my week of the twenty three, twenty-four season has been focused on ski boots and trying a bunch of things and limping around and making my toes realize how much ski season sucks and <laughs> shredding the the hair off my shins and just all the normal early season stuff yeah realistically luke and i are a mess right now when it comes to ski boots and you guys don't want to be anywhere near us uh especially like after two solid seasons of a stable relationship with a boot i love Mm -hmm. i'm Uh, I'm like thrust back into the dating scene and i have no idea uh, what i'm doing this is the best that's the best analogy ever what what's it like being a reviewer at blister it's like dating somebody falling in love and then walking away for and no good being reason. Forced to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. They're like, I gotta go now, and they're like, Why? They're like, It's part of the job. It's my job. Yeah, that's great. And wow. then you look deeper into that analogy, and you're like, No, it's actually a really easy, nice job. But <laughs> I don't know. I stand. But there I stand are downsides. By <laughs> I stand by it. Um, yeah, I. I mean, I. I just. I. You guys are kind of a mess with your ski boots. I'm just like kind of. I have one working arm and, and, uh, yeah, kind of one working hand at the moment. So I was like, all right, let me not change all the variables up. So I've, I've, my first two days have just been in the, my standard, uh, atomic redster club sport. And man, that, that thing, honestly, that still feels real good, fits real good. And, um, let's let this hand and arm, cause I, I also sprained my wrist. I guess I found out on an x ray yesterday, not fractured just sprained but i was like that's weird this wrist is hurting quite a bit and i 
they wanted me to go back for an x-ray yesterday and they're like, okay, yeah, the arms, the radial head seems to be healing up pretty good. And I was like, can we do a quick thing on my wrist? They're like, sure. So there's that too. But once I started dealing- in there while, while the rest of your arm was in, you just like try (laughs) to squeeze it in so you don't get charged for two. Exactly. No, we, uh, we we did full blown. Hey, you know, hashtag blister plus. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I, I am still, Luke, we were talking about it. I'm looking forward to getting in that Nordica Doberman and, and uh, seeing what we got. We a lot of boots. It. A lot of boots that I will not be cramming my feet into. Yeah. Doberman, the Kessley boots as well. You should get in the RC4 Pro. Yeah. Got, yeah. got a lot of stuff queued up. I know. Let's just mm-hmm. let this arm heal. I, I'm, I'm excited too, though. <sighs> this is the prospect. You're, in a, you're happy in a relationship. But then you see the kind of attractive person across the bar and you're like, huh, I'm on that. But then like maybe it's like it could be you walk up to him and that very first words out of their mouth. You're like, oh, my God, no, I, let me run back to tried and true. We should just carry this relationship analogy I, out for like yeah. the next couple of hours. I'd say that's how I am with skis, but definitely not ski boots. Ski boots. Mm. I'm, uh, yeah, very loyal. Faithful. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what else? Um, before we all get in trouble uh, on any relationship fronts, here's what we're going to do. Because Kara has to take off in a little bit to go to, what are we officially calling this? A, an engagement taco party or a taco engagement party? Engagement taco party because I'm engaged. So <laughs> as listen, people, <laughs> listen, people. Kara has to leave our Gear 30 conversation to go to her taco engagement party that neither I nor Luke were invited to. (laughs) So don't think Luke and I are okay with this. We're pretty upset. I think we've done a good job of being civil at the start of this conversation, but feelings are hurt. Feelings are hurt. That's all I have to say. Um, Okay, well, before you go, Kara, to the party that you did not invite Luke and me to, well, you did kind of just, you know, spill the beans. You got engaged in Nepal. Yep. Zach and I are engaged. And also, you guys hate coming to Gunnison. So. <laughs> That's not true. We well, go to Gunnison all I, the time. I need an excuse to go to the grocery store. <laughs> and we like tacos. <laughs> That's oh, it. God. I feel terrible. I know. Luke, all the work we do, you think we're friends, and then we don't even get invited to the taco party. But... Um, no, we are extremely happy for Zach and Kara. They are amazing people. Um, and so congratulations. And I, aren't you glad that I was like, yeah, that's fine if you need to go take this vacation time to for Nepal. That's nice of me. I'm so grateful. Right. You know what? You know what? The, you know what you could have done? You know what you could have done to show a little bit of gratitude oh, for that, Kara? Just invite me to the taco party. Wow, I'm never going to tell you what I'm actually yeah, doing. Yeah, again. just make stuff up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, before we let you go, tell us a bit about apparently your numerous crashes and or close call stories, mountain biking around Nepal. Yes. So it was an epic trip. Thank oh, you, Jonathan. Thanks, Luke, for making it possible. Um, I'd say it was every day was a constant series of close calls. And there is only one true crash. Okay. Uh, so just to kind of give a backstory, I mean, the biking in Nepal was unlike anything Zach or I had ever seen anywhere else. Super technical, um, tons of exposure, lots of huge loose rocks, uh, very challenging. And I hadn't been in a situation where I was just constantly calculating risk, like day in, day out, uh, just kind of like the fatiguing sort of mental calculations you're taking of like should i walk this should i get off the bike um and so all in all like i'd say everything went amazingly well we had no injuries no major mechanicals uh so looking kind of back at the series of days it's just awesome that we're both relatively unscathed and that we you know came home safe and sound that being said the biking was amazing and i would definitely recommend that trip to anyone who wants to go, you know, do some like really epic enduro biking in a really beautiful place. Um, it certainly was all of that. We biked a ton. And by the time we got back, I was so ready to put my bike away and not look at it for like at least six months. Like I'm so done with that. How, bike. how many days were you over there? <laughs> uh, we were 
pretty much there for like 14 days, uh, excluding travel. Okay. We biked like 250 miles and climbed like 48,000 feet in like 13 days of pedaling, which is a lot for me. I mean, I was very tired. What was the the average altitude too? Average elevation was like 12,000 feet. We got up to 15,000 as the high point. (laughs) Wait, did you... Uh, so yeah, it was an adventure. Did you take any full down days? Uh, one day in the middle, we were transferring locations. Um, so we took like one day off of the bike. Okay. Um, yeah. And it, <laughs> it was fun and in a really like type two uh, sort type of way. Two did you, did you guys bring bikes over there or get bikes while, when you were over there? We brought bikes over there, and that was the first time I've actually flown with bikes. Everything went well, which, again, you know, that's always a variable is like, is the gear going to arrive? Is it going to be in okay condition? Um, I brought my transition smuggler, and Zach brought his uh, specialized stump jumper, and they worked great. And, uh, you know, they definitely have some wear and tear, but all things considered, like maybe a new scratch, and that's about it. So that's pretty excellent. Okay. Well, as we encourage people to consider their insurance situations um first of all if you had gotten hurt in nepal with blister plus you would have had twenty five thousand dollars worth of injury insurance you know per incident so now i need one story before we let you go of like the actual crash you talked about or maybe it was i don't know if it was some of the exposure or some of the close calls where you're like i'm so close to getting screwed here or holy cow i can't believe i just got away from that unscathed what what do you got yeah i have a good one. i have a Let's good go. one um so it's actually the morning after or the morning we got engaged coming down from that descent so we had spent like 2 days approaching the peak that Zach proposed to me on uh we got up there at sunrise it was beautiful and then that day we had like a 6,000 foot descent, which still included 3,000 feet of climbing. Oh, so it wasn't, it was not like just a descend, a descending day. It was like up, down, up, down. And it was like hour, like six of, you know, descending these gnarly trails. And I was tired. And of course we get to the double track road and I'm like, okay, we just made it through like the really gnarly stuff. Uh, so that, thank God. And uh, we're just like shredding down this road going pretty fast. And I just uh, like there was a bunch of mud and Jeep ruts in front of me and I just like chose the wrong line. And my front tire went like sunk like over a foot into mud and I was going so fast and it just stopped all my speed. I went over my bars and the bike came and landed on top of me uh, and I was just like covered from head to toe <laughs> in mud. Like just remember, like I just got engaged like this is the day I got engaged and <laughs> I just am like drenched in mud, like head to toe, helmet, face, everything's covered. Um, and I like knew right away that I was okay, but it was like a pretty like bad fall. Like just the, you know, going from whatever speed yeah. to zero in that short of time and going over the bars. I haven't been over the bars on my bike in so long. And I mean, the best part of all of this is there's this like really sweet Nepali family working on their farm on the hillside and they're just watching this whole thing go down and they just like, were like they had no idea what to think they're like what is this crazy woman doing like you know she, they, they didn't know like how to communicate ask if i was okay and they just probably thought like wow these people are crazy um but yeah i got up i was fine i like tried to wash off and then uh just got back on the bike and proceeded to descend for like another two hours wow, wow. <laughs> um did zach did but zach could, get any pic- been really did zach get any pictures of you like just laying sprawled out in the mud no, Zach was uh, ahead of me, of course. <laughs> so he, you just were there wallowing for like an hour or so? <laughs> Eventually he came back up and checked on me. And, you know, I was just like, oh, yeah, it was it was a great wow. moment. I mean, that whole day was just a lot. It was beautiful and uh, epic and also uh, very memorable for the mud, the mud fall and, and other proposal. reasons as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, thanks for sharing and glad, I guess, if you're going to go over the bars, I guess going, because I, Kara, I went over the handlebars just over two weeks ago and it was not into soft mud. And uh, so technically speaking, in the, in the exact moment, probably not feeling that great to be covered in mud when you have two more hours of riding and 
you're at 30,000 feet or whatever you were, but <laughs> scheme of things, I guess, soft, you know, here's the soft landings if you got to go over the bars. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was the true crash of the, the entire trip. But yes, there was a lot of close calls and just, again, very, very stoked that we're hmm. here and skiing and everything went really well. Yeah. Um, we'll let you get going. I have a deal for you. If you bring me, yes. like, because you're a really good cook. If you bring me like one or two leftover tacos, I don't really know if tacos like can, is leftover tacos a thing. Yeah, that's like all I eat. <laughs> okay, one or two leftover tacos, all will be forgiven. How's that? Okay, I have an even better proposal. Let's do a blister team dinner at our house really soon because now Kristen lives here too. It'd be so fun. Well. I'm just hungry right now. Can you like the idea? <laughs> I don't know when this alleged like a, dinner is. Like fast food takeout scenario. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So we, we like maybe we do both things. I'm, I'm down for a okay. blister team dinner, but I just could use a good taco in my life sooner than later. All right. Okay. I hear you. Okay. And um, yeah, I'll try and remedy this as best I can. <laughs> um, again, we're really happy for you and Zach. And um Thank you. I'm actually super happy that you came back. Uh, I mean, the sickness, yeah, but you're you're good to go. We can't have too many of our ski reviewers, you know, all beaten up from mountain bike season. So um, happy to have you back, and um, I look forward to the leftover tacos. Okay. All Thanks, right. guys. Good to be back. <laughs> See you, Kara. See ya. All right. Bye. All right, Luke. It's just me and you. Um. By the way, I'm slightly offended that you were talking about how you were skiing with Kara the other day and didn't mention that you were skiing with me the other day. I feel like you were like trying to, you were ashamed to oh, be out there. Specifically, it was context related. Kara and I were both skiing in shadow boots the day mm -hmm. that I skied with her and you didn't. So, well, when I skied with you, club. you were wearing one shadow boot. Yeah. And, and you were one. wearing zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that was a our little uh, not regularly scheduled programming, but um, I think this is where we can go ahead and talk about a couple of the front side skis we've been on. Um, you want to kick that part of this conversation off? Sure. Um, one of the skis overall that I've been probably skiing the most in the past week since opening day has been two different lengths of the Rosignol Forza. 70d vti which is the there's one other forza above it it's the same ski it just has a, a like a racing plate on it um but essentially it's the top of the line version of the new forza line which is supposed to be their kind of more accessible pieced oriented carving skis relative to like their hero lineup and then their experience lineup which is technically more all mountain oriented anyway the skis are pretty recognizable they look like well the tip is kind of like a spatula or a fan the effective edge or the yeah the effective edge basically goes to the entire end of the ski there's not not a lot of tapering going on and they have tight radii all in all, I think it's a great ski for this time of year. Uh, I think you and I both agree that there are some, there have been some surprising elements to it. I first skied it at the summit last year and then skied it a bit the rest of the year. And most, uh, like, a few things surprised me. One, given that we have a higher end model, the 70 in the name stands for 70 degrees of edge angle, apparently. And then there's like 60, 50, 40. It's very accessible yep. for being at the upper end of the range. Yep. Like it is, especially for how it looks too. Like it looks like a, a slalom ski kind of. It It is relatively happy to go straight or make larger turns where you're just kind of like slarving out the tail. It's not a very demanding ski. On the flip side, it's also not a slalom ski in terms of like edge hold or initiation or the power and precision it finishes the turn with there's definitely like like any ski there are trade-offs to be made long story short though i have really enjoyed it because it's a forgiving carving ski and it's one that doesn't require a ton of 
speed or pitch to be enjoyable, which is kind of sums up what we've been skiing yep. lately. Uh, so yeah, I've been really liking it overall. I think it is a ski that I think a wide range of people could enjoy, yep. whether they're like less experienced folks who w- specifically want to improve their carving or experienced people who want to take advantage of lower angle terrain and, but don't want kind of the baggage that comes with like a full on slalom ski or a really serious tight radius carving ski. That's going to require you to, to be driving it and be on edge hundred percent of the time. It, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting micro niche in kind of like both the traditional pieced category and the like newer fun carver category. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a diff- difficult seat to pitch and hole for me. Yeah, yeah, and I I agree with all of with all of that. And man, you look at specifically at that tip shape on the ski, and it looks aggressive, and and mm-hmm. it does just aesthetically look like the type of your ski where you're like, man, if I'm driving hard and really laid over. Is this going to be a ski that like won't let me release out of a hard carve or, you know, could could just start making you like won't let you out of the carve. And in fact, you find yourself kind of carving back uphill or something. And Mm -hmm. I think both of us were like, no, that intimidating looking tip shape. It doesn't feel that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, uh, I think we both were surprised at how accessible compliant predictable and and maybe i'll underscore that word predictable um intuitive you know and uh yeah so a far more accessible carver than its appearance would given us any sense of um is probably a the way i'd sort of sum that up um and and i don't know if we said or you said We've spent the most time on the 173, uh, the 173 millimeter wide length, but you've spent a bit of time on the 181. You want to say a word about the differences, how significant the difference is, how not significant those differences when it comes to length? I would say I wasn't super surprised. Like the 181 and 173 very much felt like just different lengths of the same ski. There wasn't some disproportionate difference between the two. But given the design and pros and cons of the ski, I don't really see any reason for myself to go up to the 181. I, in in this category of like dedicated piece skis, mm-hmm. I'll ski anything from 170 to 180 is usually the top end of that. Mm-hmm. And the 173 definitely felt like the right choice. Like I didn't feel like I gained a bunch of stability from the 181. I did feel like I had to work a bit harder in terms of turn initiation, couldn't carve it quite as tightly and hardly as I could on the 173. And kind of the same situation as like a Black Crow's Mirror's Core, super different ski, but mm-hmm. kind of designed for similar things. I ski that a lot shorter than I would other skis in that class. Um, yeah, so I think if you're interested in the Forza line, because they're tight turning skis that are actually pretty accessible and a bit more versatile than their specs might suggest, I would not be inclined to size up on them at the very least and maybe be inclined to size down. And as we've been talking about, when like the Paradise chairlift at Crested Butte opens up, that is maybe a bit of a question. I mean, in terms of just sheer stability, it's a, it's a steeper slope. It's a longer slope. You can pick up more speed, make bigger turns. I mean, you can mob um, off of Paradise or under the Paradise chair. Um, I guess if that's what you want to do, truly mob, maybe the 181 is the better choice. And yet, I'm a little bit like, if you're really buying the Forza, I don't know that it seems like that ski is more fun if you are making more turns, like let it make turns, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than try, and and I think taller, heavier people will get perhaps that same feeling out of the 181, but for like me and you, like let, if you're on that ski, go make turns and, and uh, actually carve that thing rather than just 
be looking for a big GS or straight line machine. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is, I think it's more versatile than the numbers and shape suggest. You also don't want to be fighting your ski, like trying to convince it to do something it's not designed for the entire time. So, yeah, mm-hmm. if you are only skiing very steep stuff and you only like to make kind of GS or larger turns, I direct you towards something else. Yeah. Maybe that's but a good time. I am time. looking forward to skiing them on Paradise very yeah. soon. Yeah. Because getting some more pitch is always interesting. Yeah. Um, Maybe this is a good time then to transition to the next ski we were going to talk about, the Head Super Shape E-Rally, which we've been skiing in a 177 centimeter length. And we should say, um, both the Rosignol Forza 70, that's a 78 millimeter wide ski, as is the Head Super Shape E-Rally. So we got two 78 millimeter wide skis. I'm curious to hear this. We've talked a tiny little bit about the two skis, but I want you to go first. Give me your take. Uh, you can either go directly to, into the comparison or just talk about the E-Rally on its own terms. Yeah, my... So, for clarification, I have not skied the E-Rally this season. So, Jonathan has a fresher take on it. But I was skiing it this time of year last year, and I would say that super shape e-rally and the super shapes in general that we've tried are more generalist kind of versatile carvers and at the same time not as accessible especially on the stuff we've been skiing lately i think the the e-rally takes a bit more force commitment and aggression uh from the skier to bend it and get it on edge versus the forza I think part of that might be kind of hidden by the Forza's more subdued turn initiation, given its shape, because you're not getting that direct feedback from that super wide shovel. Mm-hmm. The, the shovel feels more vague than you'd expect it to feel. But yeah, if I were to, like, I suspect once Paradise is open, especially once, like, a, run, a black run like International is open, I would prefer a super shape E Rally or. Likely once the black runs are open, eat Titan, which is a bit wider and longer side cut radius on those runs. Whereas right now, I think I much prefer the Forza because it just feels easier to me in terms of turn initiation and bending it into tighter turns. And that's basically all I want to do right now is because I'm just like trying to do uh, as much as I can with the speed I can yep. generate right now. Yeah. And, uh, right now that's that just means making tight turns and getting laid over so that's my initial thought yeah and you were a little surprised when i said i didn't notice a big difference between the two skis um Mm -hmm. i felt like for the for the lower angle groomers that we are currently skiing i i think i'm I'm almost willing to say equally happy the 177E Rally or the 173 Forza 70. And I think it will probably take some new runs, more terrain openings, steeper pitches, bigger speeds for maybe for maybe to for me to start seeing a bigger separation or to start having a clear preference along those things. But um you then get into the question of like, well, who is it that would actually really be in the market for these skis and what are they looking to do with them? Right. And I don't know so far on the terrain we have, I like both skis a lot for what we're doing. Um, and that is actually carving turns and tighter turns, not, not slalom ski turns, but, and maybe opening it up when you hit certain pitches that we have open opening up into some bigger turn shapes but i think both are fun good carvers they do reward good technique they do not demand good technique but yeah i think but i think the other day you were a little surprised when i when i sort of gave that take or said i i'm finding them pretty similar uh mm-hmm. on the limited yeah i we think have. 
Yeah, I think part of it too is just like my, I get bored really quickly <laughs> um, while skiing. And so like my goal right now until, well, kind of my goal anytime we're on a groom trail, which is just about every day. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, it is every day. Um, I just, <laughs> I want to get as high of an edge angle as possible and tight radius skis make that easier especially soft tight radius yep. skis and so i think yeah if, if looking at like how we approach our low angle runs right now like i'm mostly thinking about like two sections that are like kind of steeper than the yep. other ones and that's all i'm focused on I'm like i want a ski that i can lay over as hard as possible and admittedly as easily as possible because my technique is not as good as it was at the end of last season. My legs are not as strong as they were. And so something like the Forza appeals to me more and feels easier in terms of achieving those mm. goals. Once we get onto some steeper stuff, which like the Tio Cali lift I got on for the first time today, mm. it's a lot steeper than I remember. Uh, in, in comparison to what we have been skiing, like all of a sudden we're like actually going fast. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of, uh, we'll, we'll learn a lot more as we get into different, different runs and get on even more skis. We've got more stuff coming in, in this category that we're looking forward to comparing to. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's my, my, my take is that I imagine I'll like the super shape E rally more and more as more terrain opens gotcha that makes sense yeah and frankly as i'm as i've said i'm kind of trying to protect this arm and so i'm like i can't afford to try to get laid over lose an edge go down this makes a lot of sense what you i think both what you're saying and why i'm not feeling as much sort of differentiation i think so okay well that's a report this is a sort of reporting a how the sausage gets made or like the just this is what we do right and then we mm -hmm. will be on more terrain soon and arms will be healing and then um and then we'll continue to take notes and eventually publish a full review and update flash reviews and come out with the final product but that's where we are that's where we're at for now and um maybe maybe that's maybe that's interesting in and of its own right for people sort of wondering like how do these guys go about this or do this this is part of it and sometimes we're on products that don't start to differentiate themselves yet until you get into very specific conditions or a very specific type of terrain and that's how we end up with our whatever six thousand word ski reviews so yeah or compare them to a very specific ski and all of a sudden it it clicks like yep. we've got a few that we were spent a lot of time on last year but like just need that last puzzle piece to before we're comfortable putting out that full review and um yeah it's yep. exciting to to be able to do so hopefully soon okay anything else we want to talk about i i want to talk a little bit about apparel but did you have more on the boots front or are you ready to go to apparel I think I have more to learn and less to say on the boot front. Um, yeah, Tell us about that. Very, well, just it, very much still in the experimentation phase. Like I said earlier, the Mach 1, Technica Mach 1 MV, go-to boot for the past several seasons. Currently trying Lang Shadow LV-130, Fisher RC4 Pro LV, which is uh, 140 flex. Um, Mostly surprised that I can bearably wear uh, both of those boots. I think the RC4 Pro probably a little bit stiffer than I need, at least right now, given all this stuff we said about terrain. Shadow, still working on some hot spots. Same with the RC4. So that's kind of my task, uh, has been and will be for the next few weeks. Uh, so we will. We will see, but at least at the very least, I'm getting a lot of AB testing literally and left foot, right foot, uh, been swapping booster straps between boots just about every day, which is getting pretty old. Um, but yeah, that's an ongoing process and I'll be, I'll be sure to report back about it. Okay. I just want to talk a little bit about, um, I started the season 
we have a quite a bit of new apparel in that we're going to be testing this season. But I started my first two days actually in a Nerona kit, um, jacket and pants, both in the Tamox series. And mostly what I want to say is I'm quite impressed. I think an interesting thing in general about Nerona is fit. They tend to run, we've talked about this um, before, and it still seems to be true. As a generalization, I am not saying this is true for every single Nerona piece of gear, but that Tamok jacket is a bit more slender and a bit longer. The jacket I have in a size medium, I'm often wearing size large jackets. I don't need any more length out of that jacket. But it is, you know, it's a medium. So it it's maybe, I mean, sizing goes all over the place when it comes to outerwear. But I'd call it kind of a slender but long medium mm-hmm. for the jacket. But it's really well executed. We'll be saying more and showing more on, on, on that jacket. But the pants, I love them. And, and a couple of things in particular is... Nerona is building in for, I am looking at no notes. I don't even know how they describe this, but there's kind of a firm or sturdy high back on the back of the pants. There's, there is more structure to it. And by the way, the pants are size large. I just tend to like baggier pants. I can't stand it when my ski pants feel at all restrictive, but that often means that the waist is too big for me to get the kind of room I want through the, you know, through the legs. And this more structured higher back that is on the Tamok pants and, and Nerona runs this on, on, it's not the only pants they have that where they do this. I would be stoked if all ski pants were built this way. It's just a cool feature. And like on, other pants I have that are size large, I feel like they're constantly like, I'm constantly kind of trying to pull them up. And here's the other thing I love about those. The cinch system on those pants is my favorite I've ever seen. They're really kind of overbuilt and burly. And once you set them, they are not slipping. It is not moving. And I think it is probably my favorite sort of cinch or, you know, adjustable waist system that I've ever seen on a pant so those are just a couple of my thoughts and maybe we'll leave it at that for now but thoughts on any of that luke well yeah i think it uh maybe we've got a new <laughs> exceptionally niche apparel award and best closures <laughs> award huh. and because not only do i agree like i use the neurona low Foden gore-tex pro plus pants <laughs> for a whole season um they have a similar waistband design where it's given a bit of structure. That one had like a bit of mesh on the inside, keeps the pants up higher. They don't sag down as much, but I, you also don't really notice it. I yep. think I really like that. They also do a really good job of their jackets, wrist cuffs, anything with Velcro. I I think we'll, we'll probably touch on this in a bit. I think they patented this a while ago or were just the first to come up with it. They often have two strips of Velcro, so you you have like a quick setting to go like super loose to get it over giant gloves or just get the jacket off. But then they have a long strip where you can tighten it up super snug over whatever's on your wrist. And they also tend to extend the material of the jacket over the, uh, I guess, back of your hand. And that just lends to way better coverage than like a symmetrical wrist cuff. As I said, we're getting very niche here, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do think they do a very good job with that. Um, and it, the reason I kind of thought of, especially the wrist cuff recently is because one of the jackets I've been wearing is also from Nerona, but I think it was made in like the late 90s, uh, maybe early 2000s. I picked it up used over the summer just because I wanted something not new. Uh, to wear during the season it's like the anti-blister jacket and the one thing it has in common with modern Nerona stuff is that dual velcro layout on the Uh, wrist cuffs and they work great 
Huh. Uh, the rest of the jacket definitely shows its age, but it's an old Gore-Tex piece and it's still huh. waterproof. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been fun comparing that to things that were, I imagine, designed about two two decades after it was. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, maybe part of why we're so enthusiastic about this is I actually think there's a lot of good apparel out there and I can, you know, w- we've got some fly low stuff in that I'm really excited to check out. Arteryx kits, I would be stoked to be out in. Patagonia, Strafe, etc. There's a lot of companies, I think, doing good stuff. But to come across and where I say something like, this is my favorite cinch system I've ever seen. Or I absolutely love that I'm not like having to hike up my size large ski pants. Um, it's just cool to see some of that stuff. And, and um, mm-hmm. in an age where there is a lot of good product and, and frankly, there's a lot of not cheap. It like some of this stuff is very yeah. premium in terms of how it's built and in terms of what it costs, but it's, it's nice to come across features like this and, you know, some people listening to this will be like, oh my God, that sounds perfect for what I need. And other people will be like, why don't you just wear medium-sized ski pants? And I'm like, well, because yeah. I don't. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, so anyway. Yeah, especially nowadays when, I mean, like your material, in, in terms of outerwear, and we're often talking about like shells, main purpose is weather resistance and they should also be breathable. Um, a lot of the fabrics are functionally quite similar. There are important distinctions between them, but for a lot of people, they're going to perform very similarly. So then, yeah, when something as seemingly simple as a waist belt or a wrist closure or a chest pocket, it seems so mundane, but sometimes all of a sudden you're like, this is the best one I've ever used. And then you just want to create a a Frankenstein apparel kit of all Uh those different best features from the dozen different pieces that they came from. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think our work here is done. Uh, initial reports and thoughts on the start of a new ski season. Yeah, I'm so happy to be back skiing. And man, we got a lot of new stuff. As we already talked about, some of the boots, more skis, lots of apparel. As of this recording, I believe we are 40 ratings and reviews of Gear 30 before it's time to get on snowboards, which I'm excited about. This We got a lot going on this winter. Yeah, I just bought a POW surfboard, <laughs> or a sec- second one. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is why I told we need you more earlier, daylight. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't translate as well to snowboarding as you think, so I don't have like a massive edge on you. Yeah, I got mad at Luke the other day in HQ because I was like, dude, what are you doing with this POW surfer? You're going to be like way better at snowboarding than me before I'm making my first turns. And so he's claiming that POW surfing is really, truly different enough from snowboarding. So I don't know. I I feel like he's cheating, but... If we ever do a surfing episode, I'll definitely be better than you at that. Like an ocean surfing or POW surfing? Just uh, water related surfing <laughs> get yeah. water related ocean surfing wake wake surfing but also yeah power surfing is more akin to that in my opinion than actual snowboarding okay hey man appreciate it as always um uh let you go for now hope you have a good weekend i trust i will see you out on the slopes yeah i'll look for the guy wearing two different ski boots yeah, <laughs> yeah. Spot. awesome man well thanks and uh yeah Talk to you real soon, like probably in two minutes after we get off this podcast. Yeah. All right, man. Later. Cool. Well, folks, that's it for this edition of Gear 30. And question, have you all been checking out our new podcast, Blister Cinematic? We are off to a fire start with that podcast. I'm really, really proud of it. It's super fun. I'll tell you this. Cody Townsend told me that he wants to stop doing all the stuff he has to do and just record Blister Cinematic podcasts. So I think that's a pretty strong signal for what we got going over there. This coming week, we've got the star of Apocalypse Snow, Regis Roland. I love saying that. It lets me practice my French, even though my French isn't that good. Regis is coming on. It's an incredible conversation. 
That is going to drop this coming Tuesday. So if you haven't somehow already gone and watched or rewatched Apocalypse Snow, go watch that 26-minute film. Listen to episode number three of Blister Cinematic that I did with Mountain Gazette editor and owner Mike Rogie and the strikingly handsome Justin Bob. Listen to that episode. And then this Tuesday, you get to hear the man himself talk about what the hell was going on back in the early 80s when they filmed this movie, Apocalypse Snow. All right. Other than that, I just want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. Have a great weekend, folks. And we will catch you this coming Monday over on our Blister podcast, where Cody Townsend and I will be reviewing the news. Catch you over there.